You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Featuring Lars Anderson, New York Times best-selling author of 12 books and a 20-year veteran of Sports Illustrated. Matt Coulter, a former Alabama Broadcaster of the Year and longtime media personality. And Christian Miller, a national championship-winning linebacker at Alabama who was drafted by the Carolina Panthers. Here's Lars, Matt, and Christian Sixty-seven degrees. It's absolutely beautiful in Alabama. I'm sure it is where you're listening to Big Noon Sports. www.bignoonsports.com. Follow us on Twitter at Big Noon Sports. Matt, Lars, Christian will join us in a little while. Yeah, speaking engagement, and certainly uh, I would would be in attendance if Christian Miller were going to speak to my group. So, anyway, that being the case, Lars, good afternoon, man. Uh, don't you want to be out? Uh, you want me to see if I can get tea times at Bentbrook? I know it is absolutely beautiful outside. It's perfect. I mean, it's a chamber of commerce day. It's uh, it, it's everything. It's there's a nice little cool breeze, not a cloud in the sky. Perfect day to be on the golf course. Which brings me to what I wanted to talk about first. Yesterday, I took my son Lincoln, who's seven years old to his first golf course. There's a little kind of pitch and putt out at Oxmoor Valley uh, where the, you know, the holes range from like 60 yards to the longest is 120, right? So it's a, it's a good like starter course for, for a young kid. And Lincoln, he was getting a little big for his britches, right? Cause he was crushing the ball at uh, top golf and then we went to a driving range uh, this weekend, and he was hitting it really well. And you know, he was he was acting like he has got this. You know, it's 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 a done deal. Like I I'm I'm good. And I kept telling him, you know, there's a big difference between hitting well on the range and transferring that onto the course, as every golfer knows, right, Matt? And so uh, we step up to the first hole. And very first swing. But let me let me just say about holes in one. Some fa- some fun facts about hole in ones. Uh, the longest ever recorded was 517 yards. It was by a man named Mike Crean from Denver, Colorado. The most holes in one ever recorded. Norman Manley of California. He hit 59 holes. No way. No way. <laughs> It, it, this is according to like the. There's Couldn't he nat- give us one? Couldn't he give there, us one there's each? A, there's a national uh, uh, hole in one registry, right? Mm-hmm. And so the, these hole in ones are actually verified. And and according to this registry, holes in one are more common than you think. Uh, one is achieved in the world every three thousand five hundred rounds on average. Right. So, I mean, you would think it would be even rarer than that. Um, And statistically speaking, you're more likely to get a hole in one if you are a mid handicapper, you know, like uh, probably like you and me, man, somewhere between, say, 15 and and 20, because 57 percent of holes in one are achieved by golfers in this bracket. Um, So it's not necessarily just the elite guys getting holes in one. 
And um, which clubs give you the best chance? Well, not surprisingly, 40% of holes in one are seven, eight, and nine irons. And, uh, and Matt, this bodes well for you and I. 60% of holes in one are made by golfers 50 and older. But I'm convinced you have to be like a, an old lady in Florida to <laughs> to do that. Yeah, it's not coming my way. <laughs> I've, I've played a lot of golf down in Florida, and uh, and I've been you know paired with uh, older women, and they can't hit the ball more than 120 yards, but it goes straight every time, and they end up shooting a 81. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so 14% of golfers who hit a hole-in-one actually go on and hit another hole-in-one in their career. How many? What percent? 14? 14%. That's not fair 14%. either. 14%. <laughs> um, on average, a golfer will need to play 24 years to hit a hole-in-one. And um, about 45% of hole-in-ones are hit with Titleist. So if you're looking to hit a hole-in-one, use a Titleist. And an eight iron. <laughs> right. So this brings me to yesterday. Lincoln's very first shot on the first hole on the first course he's ever played. It's a, it's like 95 yards, 100 yards. And he gets out his driver. And uh, he, he smokes a line drive. And uh, for him, bounce, bounce, bounce. Boom. Hits the pin. No. Drops half an inch from the hole. Could not believe it. Couldn't believe it. It couldn't. It's like, you know, truth stranger than fiction. This is it. The kid's very first swing. I, I don't know if that has ever happened in the history of the world, right? Uh, it didn't happen. I mean, it didn't go in, but it was, it was about, uh, you know, just a little tap in. But he he hit the he hit the pin flush, and uh, boy, but what, what a just great experience it was, um, you know, up up at Oxmoor Valley with him, and he just lost his mind, of course, and that did very little to deflate his ego, <laughs> but um, he did proceed to, to struggle the rest of the way, but um, just a, a lot of fun, and, and, and to me. And we've talked about this, Matt. That's what makes golf so special is the family aspect. And, and like, you know, I bonded with my father playing golf, watching golf, uh, him riding with me, kind of teaching me golf. And, and I really want to share that with Lincoln. And, uh, and, and yesterday evening was just uh, something I'll never forget. Hopefully something he'll never forget. Um, and uh, also, hopefully, you know, the beginning of a, of a long sort of golfing relationship, right, between me and my son. How about you? What's, have you come close to hitting a hole-in-one? Yeah, I've come close a few times. I mean, I'm talking about a couple of feet away. Uh, hit the flag and had it bounce out. But, um, you know, that was close, but it, it's not like it left it on the lip or anything like that. But uh, this all reminds me of a story, and there are a lot of blanks to fill in, and I'm going to depend on your memory. There was a guy that ran for president uh, back, I think, in the 80s that was an extremely wealthy man. He was small, and they kind of said he looked like Yoda. 
Um, and Saturday Night Live used to have a field day with this guy. Was but, Ross Perot? Uh, maybe it was Ross Perot. But anyway, <laughs> somebody took him to play golf his very first time. He'd never done it before, and he had a hole-in-one. The word is he put the club back in the bag, says, well, I've perfected this too, and he walked off. But <laughs> uh, um, as far as Lincoln is concerned, uh, I would give anything to say my first hole I ever played, I bogeyed. Uh, it would have been brilliant if I parred, but he tapped in a birdie the first time he ever played golf. Now, that's now hole-in-one would have been – I think that would have been – remember scorecard in Sports Illustrated? Of course you do. You wrote oh, yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, that would have been on scorecard. Yes. Seven-year-old hits hole-in-one on first golf shot. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, like I said, I've never hit one. Um, you know, I, I hit one in from 185 with a four-iron on a par four. But that doesn't count, right? No. <laughs> Unfortunately, I wish it did. Um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's just um, yeah, fun, fun, fun stuff. And uh, yeah, just absolutely love uh, love golf. And um, I, you got I got one other thing I want. Yeah. So there's um, yeah, each course, uh, each public course re- records about 10 to 15 hole-in-ones a year um, and uh, about 1% per t- one to 2% of all golfers uh, record a hole-in-one each year. And uh, I just thought it would be a fun little way to kick off the show of uh, examining uh, hole-in-ones. And uh, Joe Gaither, are you a golfer? You ever hit a hole-in-one? Yeah, I think he plays. I have never hit a hole-in-one. I am a golfer in the fact that I like to go out and play. I am not good. I've heard your golf story, Lars, about your, the, the time that you uh, – shout. Uh, the, the last time you played with your father, I am not near your level. 70-71, no way. I would love to – I would cut off body parts to shoot a, a 71. <laughs> well, yeah. you're young. It can still happen. <laughs> I've got to uh, get a lot older to shoot my age, and that's not going to happen either. <laughs> but I, okay, let me ask you something, guys. Do you know, Matt? Have hey, you, Matt, two, two, Matt, two quick questions for you. Do you know what a hole-in-one on a par five is called? A hole-in-one on a par five? Yeah, like and it, has, it has happened. It has happened. Uh, yeah, well, that guy hit one from 500 yards. I would yeah. assume that's a uh, that was a par five. Uh, I know um, if you get a two on a par five, that's called an albatross. But I don't know what a hole in one it's on a five a con- is. called a condor. Okay. <laughs> Would you I rather have, no have a condor or an albatross or an eagle? I didn't know <laughs> yeah. that's what it was called. Triple eagle. So, Triple right, have you ever been playing golf in a foursome or with a group where somebody in your group hit a hole in one? No, I've never, I've never done that either. How about you? I've never witnessed a hole in one. Uh, I haven't either. A guy in front of me did it in a tournament we were playing in, and the story went: um, he was really, he was a pretty good golfer, and you know, it was like 180 yards, and he hit like a five iron or whatever. And he was noted for being very, very frugal. And so he hit the ball. He knew he had hit it pretty well. And then so he immediately started looking around for his tee because he wasn't one of those guys that lived, lived a good, you know, leave a good tee on the tee box. And um, he supposedly missed watching it go in the hole because he was so cheap. <laughs> huh. 
<laughs> wow, that is uh, awesome. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, guess how many hole in ones that Tiger Woods has? Uh, he shot his first one when he was six. Uh, seven? Only three. Really? Only three. And but that's that's during that is during actual tournament play. Okay. Uh, yeah. And so the record for most hole in ones in the on the tour in 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 tournament play is ten. And that is shared by Robert Allenby, Hal Sutton, and Phil Mickelson. Um I believe. Is that right? Yeah. You remember I'm the sorry. nickname they oh, gave Phil Hal Mickelson. Sutton? I'm sorry. The, the record is shared by Roger, Robert Allenby and Hal Sutton. Mickelson has five. But wow. the, for overall, the uh, record for uh, it, it belongs to Kathy Whitworth. Who on the LPGA, she hit 11. Can you imagine wow. that? Being 11 hole and ones. <laughs> but I still, this, this Norman Manley of California, 59 hole and ones over a lifetime. That, that seems worthy of uh, further exploration. I, I believe he is uh, no longer with us, but uh, you never want to never want to say that uh, if you're not a hundred percent sure. Um, but yeah, and the the first ace was recorded back in 1868 by Tom Morris in the British Open. Now I don't know if that was old Tom Morris or Tom Morris. <laughs> Remember, there's two. I- Yes, I, I do remember that. Um, as we go to break, two two quick things. You mentioned how, and um, he was a fun guy to be around. I remember him in the 84 PGA, but um, he had gotten divorced several times while he was uh, playing on the PGA, and they called him Halimony. I always thought that was funny. Um, another one is we... As For those we, of us look, who have been divorced multiple times, that's not funny. It's halimony. Uh, he just laughed it off. But uh, Ben Hogan, who would probably be, what, top five all-time golfers? Oh, yeah. Uh, he never had a hole-in-one in his life. And somebody finally asked him about it. And, you know, he was a very prim, proper, and uh, I would say to the point of being standoffish, um... That's the that was his character, you know. That was his character, and somebody asked him about it, and he says, "Because I've never aimed that way." <laughs> Great line, it is. Hey, there are some significant stories coming out of Augusta, and as we move on to Hilton Head, and we're going to discuss those on the other side of the break. Bottom of the hour, Scooby Wright, linebacker for the Birmingham Stallions, is going to join us, and then we'll do an Alabama dive in the second hour with Mike Rodak. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A mild afternoon with a sunny sky, the high today 77. Tonight, increasingly cloudy with a low at 57. Tomorrow and Friday, mostly cloudy both days with a few passing rain showers. Highs between 72 and 75. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 75 degrees in Tuscaloosa. on 
Big Noon Sports. Matt Coulter, Lars Anderson, Christian will be along in, in just a little bit. Joe Gaither's uh, running the controls back at our flagship station in Tuscaloosa. That's tied 100.9. We're also on over in the Anniston Gadsden area. And then, of course, you can also pick us up on streaming. You just go to our website at bignoonsports.com. You've got uh, our Twitter feed as well at Big Noon Sports. Continuing to talk about golf and, and, and kind of honing in on the Masters, Lars, you were talking about the numbers and there was like a, a, a let's see a collective number at one point it was 16.3 but on sunday that's a million uh, on sunday they were at 12 million which is one of the best masters tv ratings in like five years and i guess we can go into the numbers a little bit more but why I mean, uh, Rom kind of made the turn and took over. It's not like it had drama to the 18th. Um, there are those that, you know, want to say it was the live versus uh, PGA thing. I don't really know that that was as big a story as we thought it would be. Why do you think the ratings were so high? Uh, it, it's a head scratcher, Matt. It's a head scratcher. I think part of it had to do with the fact that uh, there was a lot of buildup to Sunday because there was going to be so much golf played, right? Because there was half of the third round had to be played early in the morning, and that sort of whetted the appetite for the afternoon session. And I, I mean, I think that dynamic has to play into it. It's almost like the the morning session served as an advertisement for the afternoon. I mean that that that's really my only analysis because look, I, I, people who love golf are really interested in Rom, right? I mean, and you you predicted Rom was going to win, and the guy just there. There's no weakness in his game right now. He is a, a beautiful golfer to watch. I mean, he, he's got power, a lot of power. He's got finesse, you know. He, he's got charisma, um, and, and and he's a, he is fun to watch. And I, and I thought it was really going to be, and I think a lot of people did too who are into golf, it was going to be a great battle between Rom and Kepka, right? But then that never materialized. And, and, and the fact is that uh, this was the highest rated golf event of any event since the 2018 Masters. And that's when Patrick Reed who is not the most likable guy in the world, but he held off a bunch of big names, including yeah, Jordan Spieth and yeah, yeah. Ricky Fowler. Like, Hey, Ricky Fowler, where have you gone? Uh, I, I really like Ricky Fowler, but he, he's sort of disappeared off the national scene here. Um, and, uh, and also you could ask, well, what about Tiger Woods in 2019? Right. When he came, uh, when he uh, won the masters and that was his last major victory, that only had an average uh, viewership of 10.8 million. But if you remember that they had to tee off early on the, that final round because of weather. And so that wrapped up five hours earlier than the final round on this Sunday. And so I, I think um, I, I think uh, timing had a lot to do with it. But. Hey, you're, you're the television expert on this show, Matt, not me. I mean, that that is that is but that's my sort of knee jerk analysis, because on the surface, it doesn't make sense. 
No, it really doesn't. And you mentioned Tiger, and that's what it really turns it into, as you said, a head scratcher. Tiger wasn't involved. He withdrew. So, and usually, I mean, he is a TV ratings bonanza. And that's, again, uh, another reason you summed it up perfectly. It's a head scratcher. Um, it's, it just, I don't know, were parts of the country getting a lot of rain? It was in, in well, yeah. Birmingham and Alabama. Now, I know that was true on Saturday, but the, we're talking about the Sunday ratings when it was clear and beautiful here in Birmingham and, and in the state of Alabama. And, you know, if it were raining a lot, maybe people were just eating their Sunday Easter dinner and then sitting in front of the TV. But it was beautiful. A lot of people could have been outside. So, again, it's just amazing that these numbers were thrown up. And I also I was trying to think in past years, has there been anything uh, on the on the sports calendar that would have gone head to head with the Sunday Masters? And there isn't. I mean, it's kind of like the, you know, the Daytona 500. That's why they did, and you know, this is better than me. The, the, the Daytona 500 is held when it is in February because that weekend there is nothing going on in the world of sports except the Daytona 500, right? And in um, the Masters, it's, it, it's their day. That Sunday, there's, there's no big-time sports going on. And, um, and, and, and so I, I, I don't know. I don't get it. Uh, maybe we need to get like a, 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 well, I mean, you are a TV, uh, uh, expert and you don't get it. No, I don't. <laughs> I, uh, people want to say it's the live PGA thing. And I, I disagree I just, with that. Yeah. I don't, you know, and I don't think even CBS built that up very much. <laughs> and I also, and going on, uh, chasing that rabbit for just a few feet. Uh, I think that it just shows you how revered this tournament and that golf course is that that did not become an issue. There were a couple of side stories, not a big deal, but the players and the television coverage and the patrons have so much respect for this event that nobody was hooting at anybody. Of course, you do that. You're losing your tickets forever. Um, but Nance and his crew didn't overdo it. Um, this tournament, as I said, and this golf course is held in such high regard that that wasn't a story. And those that claim that that's the reason for the ratings, I think, are off base. But anyway, yeah, another I, story. I, I just want to Matt, Matt, can I add real quick? Um, real quick. Two, two quick things. Uh, our friend Robbie Glenn, he just texted me. He said it was Easter Sunday and dads were forced to stay home, but they worked out a deal with their wives that they could watch the Masters. <laughs> um, and also just Jim Nance, you know, going from the final four to the Masters, just the, the, the versatility of Nance. The, the guy just amazes me year in and year out. We'll have a discussion on that in the second hour. <laughs> Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to totally shift gears and go from golf to the gridiron as we will welcome in Scooby Wright, linebacker, Birmingham Stallions, coming up on Big News Sports. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. 
This is Big Noon Sports. From our home base in Birmingham, Alabama. We are here treating patients from every generation. Across the United States. And from around the world. We're here for the rookies and the dreamers. Trying to make a name for themselves. We are here for the achievers. Who are resilient. And won't take no for an answer. We're here for the coaches. Athletic trainers and mentors. Who are shaping the next generation of legends. We are here for you. Aggressively pursuing victory over injury. Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com. Total circumstantial, yes. Um, no, but but I, I, I do think that that's a very telling point. His playing partner was visibly upset with him. And, he, you know, it, it was just, he was frustrated. And from where, and, and, and Hovland had the best seat in the house as to what was going on. I, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it, you know, if we really wanted to dig deep into this, you just, you go back and you look. And you, you, you look at, uh, you know, film or whatever, and you see, okay, did these guys have to wait on the green, right, after, say, like the third or fourth hole? Did, did Cantlay and Hovland have to wait, uh, excuse me, on the tee box, right? Were they delayed and therefore it backed up everything? It, it didn't seem that way, but, um, again, we, we don't really have the full picture but the fact is that, you, as you mentioned, I think the most damning evidence is that his playing partner was just peed or peeved off. Yes, <laughs> yeah. he, he, he was indeed. Um, speaking of golf, Rory is out at the RBC and he's being criticized for it. You know, he didn't make the cut. Um, he, he is certainly a draw. But I mean, if he wants to take the heritage off, is that a big deal? No, no. These people are just, they will, they will, man, they criticize the Mona Lisa. You know, I just. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, the thing is, the, the RBC is, it's, it's not that huge of an event, right? Um, because it's right after the Masters. They don't get a lot of big names. And, um, and McElroy, um, yeah, I mean, he again, he withdrew uh, yesterday, and um, you know, he, he he risked losing several million dollars due to this uh, twelve million dollar player impact program bonus that is designed to get guys like Rory to go to these uh, <clears throat> sort of second, third tier events. Um, you know, and, and he, as you know, Matt, any professional sport is a grind and it's not just a physical grind it is a mental and a more so grind yeah no. and and sometimes you just need a some time away well i think a- especially lars in this instance because this was really supposed to be his grand slam the completion of his grand slam I, and i would guess he was he and rom were easily i think the, the betting favorites going in and he just didn't play well and that's got to be, as you just said, he's got game. They all got a lot of game. But I think he was really geared up to go out and win this. And when he didn't win it, not only he didn't make the cut, I, I think it just uh, it put a mental blanket over his head. And um, he's he's not going to go to South Carolina, and he'll he'll come back. He'll play the he'll play a lot of events this year. Yeah, and uh, the two other golfers, Jason Day and Alex Norn, also withdrew from the RBC Heritage, and um, I, I, it's their prerogative. I, I, to me, I, I 
I have no problem with it. I mean, I understand if you're a tournament organizer and you know that Rory is going to be perhaps your main draw. Um, you would be upset for him pulling out at the last second without giving a reason. Um, but hey, it's it's Rory's life, and like I said, if I were to guess, and this is simply a guess, it's just he needed a break. He needed a break. I mean, you know, these guys get to Augusta what on uh, Sunday night, and, and then uh, you know they they walk the course on Monday. Play, you know, play practice and maybe just do a little light sort of chipping and range work. Uh, then, then you you play around on Tuesday, um, and then you play the the par three uh, event on uh, Wednesday, and then you know you get into Thursday and Friday, and and you got to remember you're. You're not sleeping in your own bed. I mean, I know the accommodations, they're hardly struggling. It's not like, you know, they're staying in a youth hostel in Amsterdam. They're staying in mansions, right? Uh, right next to the course. And um, so, it, it, but you're still, you're away from home. I mean, how many times in, in your career, Matt, like you've, you're saying a decent accommodations, but you've been away for a long time. All you want to do is just get home. I can't tell you how many, like, I mean, like literally hundreds of times, like all you want to do is just get home after being on the road for five, seven, eight, nine days. And maybe that's it. I, you know, that, that, that's my guess. Well, um, it's true. They, they do have, unbelievable accommodations where they go and i've just kind of a side note on that uh i probably knew this but was reminded over the weekend um you know there's not a lot of great places to stay in augusta and they they don't stay in hotels anymore like they used to um but they rent houses but there's not a lot of rental housing either corporate america's taking up that too so a lot of them share homes um, for the week and uh, you know you got to pick a good roommate too. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. So you know maybe that has something to do with it. <laughs> Some of the people that you travel with, but um, Lars, something happened at, at uh, Augusta for the first time I've ever seen. And and you know, as uh, tradition based as this tournament is, uh, above uh, all others, um, even the Masters is starting to succumb to technology um did you notice that both rory and max homa wore live mics and talked to the booth while they were playing augusta national i did and uh so did justin thomas i saw jt doing that as well um and it was absolutely fascinating because they had the mic uh, the one time I saw it on uh, on Justin as he is talking to his caddy right and they and they have them all, all mic'd up uh, and and you can hear the conversation going on about exactly where he wants to land the ball on the green uh, what the aiming point is the exact yardage the slope of the green. Um, and and they executed it perfect. 
but but it but it just gave you a little window into the complexity of every single shot that these guys are hitting and uh i mean it, it felt like uh kind of being led into the locker room right of a football game at a half time for the halftime and seeing what adjustments are being made because uh at us is uh, us sitting at home watching the event the golf event we can't necessarily hear typically the conversation between the caddy and the golfer and i i just i i thought it was a really neat uh really insightful uh that 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 the the viewers were able to uh witness that and again it just gives you a greater appreciation for the level of detail and precision that these guys are always you know aiming for and trying to achieve you know max homa had one of the greatest quotes either going into it or afterwards. And I'm going to share that with you on the other side of the break and also do a little bit deeper dive because you know what I wanted after I heard them talking while they were walking, they're calling it a walk and talk. I wanted more. I wanted everybody to be mic'd up. I wanted to hear yeah. everything that Same they possibly, but particularly the, the, the chat back between the golfer and the caddy, I just find incredibly intriguing. And I want more. Hey, you're listening to Big News Sports. Big Noon Sports coming up. From our home base right here in Birmingham, Alabama. We are here treating patients from every generation. Across the United States. And from around the world. As respected industry leaders. We are here. Working hard for you. In an effort to provide you with. Excellence in sports medicine. Excellence in research and education. And excellence in sports injury prevention. We are here for you. Aggressively pursuing victory over injury. Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com. You've probably seen their clothing around town on game days, but check out Christopher Mobley on the Strip. It's luxury game day apparel redefined. It's the only place in town where you can find Todd Hoops apparel. Clothing designed for the modern day entrepreneur, golf enthusiast, and athleisure fanatic. They've got Peter Millar, Viore, Grayson, and Miz and Main. And if you haven't tried the Miz and Main dress shirts, you've got to. You can find them at 1410 University Boulevard on the Strip. Also, they've got a great e-commerce site at ChristopherMobley.shop. So check out Chris Christopher Mobley, Luxury Game Day Apparel, redefined. The story of the nurse and the foot pain that nearly brought him down. I feel like I'm giving people their lives back. Robert lived to take care of his patients, but he couldn't do it unless he took care of his foot pain. I have plantar fasciitis. It'll almost put you on your knees. That's how much it hurts. His own recovery started when he got fitted for arch supports at the Good Feet store. Now that I'm pain-free, I can make these people feel better. Can't beat that. Stop by or schedule your free fitting at goodfeet.com. Work is a part of all of us. We know that the world around us has changed, and that's why the Alabama Department of Labor is here to get you back to working hard. Work is a part of all of us. Let us help you get back to it by visiting your local career center or alabamaworks.alabama.gov. 
Funding provided by the USDOL, EPA, and Federal WIOA, an equal opportunity employer program. Auxiliary aids and services available upon request. Brought to you by this station and the Alabama Broadcasters Association. This is Reagan, owner of R&R Cigars, the Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa. Located at 2703 6th Street, across from the home two suites. Come down to R&R and see why we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around and our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world-class. Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world-renowned cigar and spirits destination. Work is a part of all of us. Working drives us to push beyond what we thought was imaginable and allows us to come together again for the things that really matter. That's why the Alabama Department of Labor and the Alabama Career Center System is here to help you discover bigger opportunities than ever before. Visit your local career center or alabamaworks.alabama.gov. Funding provided by the USDOL, PTA, and Federal WIOA, an equal opportunity employer program. Auxiliary aids and services available upon request. Brought to you by this station and the Alabama Broadcasters Association. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A mild afternoon with a sunny sky, the high today 77. Tonight, increasingly cloudy with a low at 57. Tomorrow and Friday, mostly cloudy both days with a few passing rain showers. Highs between 72 and 75. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 76 degrees in Tuscaloosa. A national championship team covering a national championship team. The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Back on Big Noon Sports, Matt Coulter, Lars Anderson, Christian in momentarily. Our thanks to Joe Gaither at Tide 100.9 as uh, he is the captain of this ship. Max Homa is just really an interesting guy, and he's got game. And he was asked to wear one of the mics at the Masters, and he gave a very, I, I think, a very succinct uh, uh, answer to why he would do it. And first, he was very honest. He said, first of all, if they ask you to do something like this, I'm thinking I probably better do it. And then he said, after doing it, he said, you know, it might take 5% of my concentration away, but I've got 95% left, and it's worth it to the game of golf and to the enjoyment of those that are watching it on TV to take that 5% for one hole. And once again, Lars, I just... I'm liking this guy. Every time I watch him play, uh, you know, he's won eight tournaments. Um, I'm not even sure I was aware that he had won that many. He's been on tour for 10 years now. But, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a stance that I don't think we see in sports very often when somebody says, if they ask me to do that, I'm going to do it for the betterment of the game. Way to go, Max. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, he and he and Rory made history. They were the first ones to do it in, in the first round. And I, I think one reason why it's so powerful is that golf. It's an it's such an individual sport, right? And it's almost you know when a when a golfer is talking to his caddy, it's almost as if the golfer is talking to himself. So it's like we're hearing the players' internal monologues, right, as they are uh, assessing each shot and and, and analyzing each shot. And it, it's just uh, – it, 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 it just – it brings you in 
to uh, the game in a way that we, we've never seen before. And I absolutely would love it if this uh, goes forward, right? Um, because uh, it, it just it was fascinating to me, and it just it, it provides more context to uh, the uh, to the game. It provides uh, so much more insight. Right. I mean, ESPN, uh, they do on field interviews with uh, mic'd up uh, Major League Baseball players as a part of Sunday Night Baseball. Uh, You're getting uh, NBA coaches, I I believe, on on telecast mid game. You're getting uh, college coaches mid game. You're getting some players mid game. I mean, it's just uh, the access on that front (laughs) is opening up. Whereas yes. the access to the to the writers is is retracting, <laughs> uh, sort of an odd uh, dynamic going on there. But um, I, I just I loved it. I loved it, and uh, and hopefully this is uh, the start of something that becomes bigger and bigger. Because again, it just provides the the viewer with so much more information, right? And, and I think the, I think and, and the word makes, is sorry. intimate. It's intimate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and uh, yep. I want to see more of it, but I, I think you have to be really, really careful in this deal. Uh, you know, I said I wanted it all the time, but, but you can't do that. You have to do it and, and pick the right golfers. Some of these guys uh, would probably offer to do it, but they wouldn't. it wouldn't be good. Uh, but when you get the guys that they use at the Masters and use them, I think they were spot on in their selection. And I think you're just hearing something. Uh, it's almost like I'm not supposed to hear this, but I am, and I love it. And you're right about other sports. I, I will say this, and, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a motorhead. I love NASCAR. NASCAR's been doing this for a long time. Now, I will say this. They don't do it during <laughs> actual green flag. But they've been doing it during caution flags for years, and they call, talk to the crew chiefs on the box during the races. So I'm not necessarily saying that they kind of set the tone here, but they certainly did. And I love the uh, on-the-field Sunday night baseball stuff. It's great. And uh, during games now, um, a player, usually that's not in the lineup, or a manager will uh, put on the headset while the game is going on. And the USFL does this all the time now don't they mic up skip holds uh yes yeah yeah Coaches I mean, almost are. for the entire game and because holt said man i gotta be really careful what i say and in the heat of battle you you know some words are gonna fly but um it's 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 part of the technology today that affords us a, a newer and and better look yeah and um but you know what? <laughs> now I'm thinking about it. I don't know where Max Homa finished in the Masters. Uh, I need to look that up. But I, I know that uh, JT didn't do so well. I know that Rory didn't do so well. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it, it is that 5%. Right? Whoa, that, you're right. Because uh, Homa like, finished in a tie for there, 43rd. Is there a theme here? Like the guys who uh, had the uh, the mic in their ear, and then and, and and were uh, communicating with the broadcasters. Uh, I, I'm not saying that that's the reason why they didn't do very well, but 
None of them did. (laughs) (laughs) That's like winning the par three. (laughs) Nobody's ever won the par three and gone on to victory on Sunday. But uh, I like it. I love it. I think you have to be careful, as I said just a moment ago. You got to be careful that you don't overdo it. Um, Oh yeah, it needs to be finished uh, tied for forty third at six over. It needs to be special. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I loved it, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It'll be in- it'll be interesting to see like who who is willing to do this moving forward. I, I mean, I, I I would find it to be very distracting, very very distracting. Uh, if you are worrying about talking to a national audience, literally to millions of people, as you are trying to do a very difficult job. It's difficult in broadcasting to have somebody talking in your ear while you're talking. Yes. You know, that's uh, that's on a much lower level, though. Back with the second hour of Big Noon Sports. From our home base right here in Birmingham, Alabama. We are here treating patients from every generation. Across the United States. And from around the world. As respected industry leaders. We are here. Working hard for you. In an effort to provide you with. Excellence in sports medicine. Excellence in research and education. And excellence in sports injury prevention. We are here for you. Aggressively pursuing victory over injury. Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com. You've probably seen their clothing around town on game days, but check out Christopher Mobley on the Strip. It's luxury game day apparel redefined. It's the only place in town where you can find Todd Hoops apparel. Clothing designed for the modern-day entrepreneur, golf enthusiast, and athleisure fanatic. They've got Peter Millar, Viore, Grayson, and Miz and Main. And if you haven't tried the Miz and Main dress shirts, you've got to. You can find them at 1410 University Boulevard on the Strip. Also, they've got a great e-commerce site at ChristopherMobley.shop. So check out Chris Christopher Mobley, Luxury Game Day Apparel, redefined. The story of the nurse and the foot pain that nearly brought him down. I feel like I'm giving people their lives back. Robert lived to take care of his patients, but he couldn't do it unless he took care of his foot pain. I have plantar fasciitis. It'll almost put you on your knees. That's how much it hurts. His own recovery started when he got fitted for arch supports at the Good Feet store. Now that I'm pain-free, I can make these people feel better. Can't beat that. Stop by or schedule your free fitting at goodfeet.com. is a part of all of us. We know that the world around us has changed, and that's why the Alabama Department of Labor is here to get you back to working hard. Work is a part of all of us. Let us help you get back to it by visiting your local career center or alabamaworks.alabama.gov. Funding provided by the USDOL, ETA, and Federal WIOA, an equal opportunity employer program. Auxiliary aids and services available upon request. Brought to you by this station and the Alabama Broadcasters Association. This is Reagan, owner of R&R Cigars, the Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa. Located at 2703 6th Street across from the home two suites. Come down to R&R and see why we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around and our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world class. Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world-renowned cigar and spirits destination. Work is a part of all of us. Working drives us to push beyond what we thought was imaginable and allows us to come together again for the things that really matter. That's why the Alabama Department of Labor and the Alabama Career Center System is here to help you discover bigger opportunities than ever before. Visit your local career center or alabamaworks.alabama.gov. 
Funding provided by the USDOL, PTA, and Federal WIOA. An equal opportunity employer program. Auxiliary aids and services available upon request. Brought to you by this station and the Alabama Broadcasters Association. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A mild afternoon with a sunny sky. The high today, 77. Tonight, increasingly cloudy with a low at 57. Tomorrow and Friday, mostly cloudy both days with a few passing rain showers. Highs between 72 and 75. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 76 degrees in Tuscaloosa. A national championship team covering a national championship team. The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. WTUG HD2 Northport and W265CG Tuscaloosa. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Welcome back to Big Noon Sports with Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, and Christian Miller. Hey, it's been a fun show so far, uh, and I'm sure the next hour will be as well. Thanks for joining us. Uh, appreciate it very much here on Big Noon Sports. Uh, spent a lot of the first hour talking about golf, the fun parts of it, and then the serious parts of it with slow play, etc. But um, moving along here, Lars, I just was just cruising through, surfing the Internet. Is that still the appropriate term? But um, <laughs> I see where last night the Florida Marlins were at Philadelphia. Uh, Lars, just give a very brief explanation of a Philadelphia fan. <laughs> you can't do a brief one, but just tell uh, everybody. Infam- infam- infamously once booed Santa Claus. Right, and booed a kid that didn't find an Easter egg uh, one yeah. time when they were having some kind of a they're, they're, promotion they're there. Fans. They, they expect uh, a, a championship every year. They do. And, but they're also very knowledgeable fans. But they they are oh, and loyal. The toughest, yeah, uh-huh. they are among the toughest in sports. No question. Well, last night uh, the Phillies, as they entertained Florida Marlins, had one dollar hot dog night. You know, doesn't that already just <laughs> doesn't that just spell disaster if you're in Philly? Uh, as it turned in, as it turned out, they says the Phillies moved more than. Lars, this is unbelievable. $60,000 hot dogs. I mean, that's like two and a half per person. Wow. But um, guess what happened? Well, (laughs) you know, Florida ended up beating the Phillies. And as a result, guess what happened to many of the hot dogs and the hot dog wrappers? They ended up on the field. They were used as projectiles, right? As they said here, flaying frankfurters. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I mean, it's bad, but it's uh, it's more good and more funny. Um, and there's pictures of the fans. And now, if you roll up the foil of a hot dog, you know, that it comes in, you probably get some pretty good heat on it. So I can imagine. No, it's I'm, like... I'm- they don't have baseball night <laughs> in Philadelphia anymore. I think all of them stopped. But uh, I, just... I, uh, I, I'm, I'm looking at pictures uh, on Twitter from uh, Dollar Dog Night, and uh, 
the lines are incredibly long. Uh, one Twitter user said, dollar dog night, where people wait in line all night for a cheap hot dog and miss the entire game. <laughs> uh, did you come to watch baseball or throw Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Oh. Speaking yeah. of that, this yeah. is a what, topic what, that I wanted to come on. Sorry, what, me, go ahead. Did you say over fifty-eight thousand? Yeah, this dogs? said sixty. Okay, sixty thousand. Sixty thousand hot dogs. Tell you what, it was packed from the pictures I'm looking at. Yeah. Uh, wow. It brings uh brings me to another baseball story. And I think I was going to hit on this and maybe didn't, but it's worth bringing up again because it involves beer. Because the games are being played so fast in Milwaukee, the Brewers have extended their beer sales to the end of the eighth inning. <laughs> uh, not surprising. Uh, uh, yeah, just because, you know, the games are, are shortening and, uh, and and there's a lot of money to be made. Uh, and right now, yeah, you're right. There's at least four teams that have extended alcohol sales through the eighth inning. The Arizona Diamondbacks, the Texas Rangers, Minnesota Twins, and and, and the and the Brewers, um, and uh, the the Marlins and the Mets. They still stop after the seventh inning, which is the usual cutoff. Um, and, and I don't know how many times I, I know you've been to a lot of uh, MLB games, but how many times are you with your buddies at MLB and you, and you realize, uh-oh, uh, <laughs> there's two outs in the seventh and, and you know, you, you send somebody to make the mad dash to uh, get, you know, uh, as many beers as possible. But, um, yeah, I, 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 I think this is uh, um, just a, a result of the, of the fact that and this is pretty amazing, really, uh, what has happened. And you know this. You're, you're the baseball expert. Is that the pitch clock is working? You know, uh, the average game time uh, just through the first week and a half of the season is down 31 minutes. So it's 31. On, I had 31. seen that number. It's on the sport. Yeah. So that's on track to be the sport's lowest since 1984. Um, so it, it it is working. And I think overall, it's a good thing uh, to speed up the game. But let me ask you this from a, just a, a pure, like, the perspective of the, 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 the hitter, the batter, opposing managers, guys on base. Who does this hurt the most? Um, wow, I'm going to be very uh, fence riding here. I don't know. It hurts anybody. Yeah, um, I, I, I really don't. I mean, it, it, you're going back the way they played in the 60s. That's just the way they did it. Uh, they didn't have to make a rule back then or Gibson would dust you off the plate. But I don't think it hurts any. Is that a lame answer? I don't think it hurts no, anybody. I think I mean, it helps I, the I fans. Just, uh, it, it would just be so annoying to watch like a guy. OK, uh, ball one steps out of the plate, readjusts. Is is left glove readjust the right glove readjust to you know between his legs and <laughs> and, yes, uh, exactly. and and look at it look at his bat uh, and and you know scratch his butt and then get back in the batter's box it, it just would drive you nuts and and I, and I think it, obviously it, it was intentional to 
agitate the pitcher, correct? Yes, you step out on a pitcher a lot, but see, that's where you, you, you know, you plunk them in the thigh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I am not a buzz in your tower. Don't throw above the waist, if at all possible. But yeah. uh, then, then you're messing with somebody's livelihood, and that's just not to be done. But uh, I was watching the Braves last night, which, by the way, came back and won again. Um, and you'll notice this, and everybody listening, when you casually watch a baseball game, some players, Ronald Lacuna Jr. is a perfect example, where, and you were talking about the gear, the gloves, then the forearm protection, um, then they've got uh, uh, a legging, almost like a catcher's protector between the knee, and then another one on the right foot in case you foul a ball off, which, you know, is protecting the players. But they get up there looking a little bit like G.I. Joe with all the different things that they have on. But when they, when they get walked, it, they have to step out of the bat- batter's box and start – you know, towards first base, it takes them like 30, 45 seconds to remove all that stuff. And then, uh, Lars, and I'll do a, a little bit deeper baseball dive. And then I want to talk about Mel Kuyper and the, the upcoming draft, what he's saying now. But then they put on these oven mitts. Have you seen these? I have not. All right. They're, they're, um, they're, they're literally, it's an oven mitt. And um, it's to protect your hand when you slide first and you use that. But they're like, you know, an, an inch and a half longer than your regular hand or a batting glove. So does that give you a little bit of an advantage, especially now that the bases are larger? OK, it's official. Uh-huh. Matt has gone overboard. No, no, I, I actually have a baseball question for you. Uh, what is going on with the Tampa Rays? They are now 11 and 0. Unfuego. The best, the best mark of the wild card era, era to start a season. And not only that, they have outscored their opponents 83 to 20. Like, should we just go ahead and, and hand the AL East to the Rays already 11 games into the season? It's incredible what they're doing and their total team ERA. Now, this is just mind boggling, even it's only 11 games of the season. Their team ERA is under two. Are, are you kidding me? Wow. You know, that's that's absolutely phenomenal. But actually, you brought up that uh, exactly what I was going to do in just here in a minute. And I appreciate you doing so. Um, they beat the Bo Sox last night, 7-2. They are 11-0, and and they're blowing everybody out. Um, I think I remember the Braves in 82 started 13-0, and something like that. There may be one other. But that wasn't in the wild card era. So in, in recent memory... Uh, this is the best start I've seen. And, and what is it? It's obviously a total team effort. If the ERA is under two and they're scoring runs uh, like crazy, uh, 83-20. And it just, I don't know, baseball, it's, uh, it's a sport of streaks. Don't you think it, 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 teams get on hot streaks? And, it, and it, players get on hot streaks. And it, it's hard to explain. It's like I, I uh, I've spent years debating with people whether or not the concept of momentum is a real thing or not, and because you can't quantify it, you can't see it, but you can feel it, right? Did we lose Matt? <laughs> I, I'm right here. 
Oh, gotcha. Uh, no, I was just asking about the uh, the concept of momentum and uh, if, if you believe in it, even though uh, you can't really quantify it, you can't see it, but certainly when it's happening, you can feel when a team has momentum. There's no question about it, and I think you can see it on a golf course when suddenly a guy reels off six out of eight birdies. Uh, what is it they say? And you may have said it just a minute ago. I had a small technical issue, but you, you get in what's called a zone. Um, you know, Seth, of course, I think Seth just lives. Seth Curry just lives in a zone. But you know how it is. You've played a lot of pickup basketball, and sometimes it's just give me the damn ball. Yeah. Um, and when you're a, when you're a hitter, um, they say, you know, suddenly the baseball looks like a beach ball. Like uh, Matt Olson for the Braves right now, and it's just ripping the ball. So I am an absolute big believer in momentum. Uh, hey, well, let's talk some Alabama football, baseball, basketball. You want to do that next? Let's do it. All right. Uh, when we come back, Mike Rodak from AL.com will join us, and we'll talk about quite a few things, including, I don't know, Lars, you can look this up during the break if you haven't seen it. I uh, heard it earlier today. Uh, Mel Kuyper has a new mock draft, and it goes one, two, three, four. Oh, my. That's coming up on Big News Sports. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sport. I 100.9 Tuscaloosa weather. A mild afternoon with a sunny sky. The high today, 77. Tonight, increasingly cloudy with a low at 57. Tomorrow and Friday, mostly cloudy both days with a few passing rain showers. Highs between 72 and 75. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 76 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Want to know what's going on with the Crimson Tide? Download the Tide 100.9 app today. Is Rodak ready? Sports, Matt Coulter, along with Lars Anderson and Gene Joyner, now by AL.com's Mike Rodak. And uh, Mike, first of all, top of the show, top of the mention here. Appreciate your time. Um, I know you don't just do this for us, you do it for a lot of other stations, and uh, it's greatly appreciated. Uh, thank you, sir, at the very top. No problem. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I want to start with the NFL draft here because certainly Bryce Young is, is a major consideration here. Um, Mel Kuyper and, and Lars, you, you chime in on this too because I know you're a, a huge draft guy. But uh, I read this morning that Kuyper now has the first four picks of this, the 2023 NFL draft, all quarterbacks. He says it's going to be Bryce, then C.J. Stroud, he, he has AR at third. He has Tennessee, I think, trading for him or something, something like that. And then um, Levis at number four. Uh, I guess I asked you if you would agree to that, Mike. But uh, first of all, is Bryce going first? Yeah, well, I guess I'll start with the first question first because I think it sets the table. Is I always hated when I covered the NFL these last like three weeks before the draft because I swear people just get bored. And they just like, they want to come out with a new mock draft. They want a new storyline. They want something else to talk about. 
you know, the pro days are over, the combine's over, and like things just kind of come out of thin air, you know, these last couple of weeks. And a lot of times, you know, there's, there's no substance to it. Um, and in this case, I remember, I think it was last year, there was a lot of projections around this time that there would be a bunch of quarterbacks taken in the first 10 picks. And I think it was actually a very light year for quarterbacks. And then in the first round last year. So I don't put a ton of stock into, you know, these four quarterbacks going top four. I don't think a team is going to take that big of a swing on Anthony Richardson that high. I especially don't think it's going to happen with Will Levis in the top four either. Um, I I do think Stroud and, and Young. Now, as far as second question, that leads into that where I think as soon as the Panthers made that trade to move up with the Bears, everybody automatically assumed C.J. Stroud because they looked at Frank Reich's history and they said he wants a tall quarterback and Bryce Young's not a tall quarterback. You might have heard. And that's where everybody's really went the direction of, of C.J. Stroud. I, again, I don't know if there's a ton of substance behind that. And I think now that there's been some pretty prominent national reporters, Chris Mortensen came out last week and said that the Panthers want Bryce Young. Um, Peter King came out from NBC sports last week and, and said, essentially there's a lot of people in the building that want Bryce young. And now you've seen the betting odds and you've seen the mock drafts kind of follow suit and everybody kind of moves as a pack. That's kind of the draft, the, the draft way of doing things is one person gets an idea and, or one piece of information and everybody, everybody kind of moves that direction. So it does seem like it's moving back towards Bryce being the pick, and I'll, I'll trust Chris Mortensen on that one, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's the guy holding that jersey. Yeah, Mike, I always find it funny when, um, you know, the, the, the talking heads, and, and look, they have to have something to talk about, and they say, oh, so-and-so is zooming up the draft board. No, he's not. <laughs> they, know, they know exactly. There's there's no new information being acquired here. Um, it, but, uh, you know, interestingly, uh, watching uh, a 30 for 30 on Doug Flutie and went back and looked at his height, 5 foot 10. And back when Flutie was playing, 5'10 seems so small. But now 5'10 and whatever it is, uh, three quarters with Bryce, it doesn't seem that small. Did it, did it, did it, what what has happened in the game, in your estimation? I know this is a big picture question. That all that that now these these uh, quarterbacks who are smaller in stature are really not just being accepted, but being embraced as uh, guys who potentially are elite and pro bowl pro bowl caliber. Yeah, I think it's partly the design of offenses and kind of what teams do where you know, they've gone more towards the college style in some cases, and you're going to play out of the gun more often, and you're going to be moving around a little bit more, and you can find that open space. And um, I think that sort of offense helps Bryce Young because then you can find the open throwing lane, as we saw him do at Alabama. It's not like you're just dropping back from under center and standing behind five offensive linemen who are six inches taller than you at least and trying to throw over them and just kind of that very static drop-back passing game. There are some NFL teams that run that, but you've seen a shift more towards, you know, like look at the Cardinals with, with Tyler Murray, how much he runs around, and it's not like he's just sitting back in a in an open pocket. So, you know, the design of offenses is big. But I remember when I was in Buffalo, I did a story on on Tyree Jackson, who was the University of Buffalo quarterback. He was six seven, and there was actually a storyline that he was too tall uh, to yeah. be an NFL quarterback. And I remember I I talked to. Um, Dan McGuire, who was Mark yeah. McGuire's brother, who got drafted by the Seahawks. He was 
six, seven, six, eight. And, you know, there is some thought. I remember talking to a scout about it too, that like, if you're too tall, your throwing motion is too long and everything just kind of moves a little bit more slowly. So, you know, it, there's always like these rules that people make up sometimes. And it's not like, I don't think an NFL teams sitting there and saying, we're not going to take Bryce young because he's not tall enough. I, I don't, I don't think that's really a, a red line. I, I think it's, you know, a, a slight concern for teams. And I think a, because of, do you get passes batted down, which I think is legitimate and B is there a durability question, which, you know, empirically, I don't know if there's evidence to support, smaller quarterbacks getting hurt more often. We've seen big quarterbacks get hurt. So I don't think there's a, there's a ton there. Um, and I think at the end of the day, we're still going to see him, like I said, go number one. If he doesn't go number one, he's going to go number two. So, I mean, it's not really a big deal either way. Yeah. And, and do you think when uh, you kind of already addressed this, but when the Panthers made that bold move to go to one, they already knew at that point exactly who they were going to take and and I, and I would argue too that even those there there've been some smoke screens about Stroud I really think it's Bryce Young. Yeah, I agree. I, I do think it's Bryce and yeah, I I'd say you know they probably made that move with a pretty strong you know sense of we're either going to take one or one of those two of those guys, one or two of those guys. Like it's going to be Bryce or it's going to be Stroud. Um, and I think they probably felt good enough about at least one of them where, you know, they felt good about moving up. I don't know if it was completely dead set and we know exactly which one we're going to take because I think they still had to kind of go through the pro days and talk to the guys. And, you know, there's probably some information that they learned that's new, but, um, you know, they, they saw what they needed to see on film too the last couple of seasons with both of those guys. So, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, if, if there is a situation where we're talking on April 28th that, you know, CJ Stroud went number one overall and Bryce Young went number two. Like, does it really matter? <laughs> no, I mean, Bryce Young could still have a perfectly fine NFL career. He could be in Canton, Ohio one day. doesn't really matter if he went number one or number two. Obviously, it matters more to the team that's picking him and, and kind of what their, their future might be. I want to go to more speculation here on the college level. Um what are you hearing out of spring quarterback? Because, I mean, people now are already declaring that whoever is named the starter, and that may not happen until game, until week two, that uh, whoever's starter and the other one's automatically in the portal and they're already naming the colleges they're going to go to. So in a long way of asking the same old question, what's up at quarterback? Yeah, I mean, I, I do think there is some credence to that thought, um, just in the way that college football is these days, I think. Yeah. In both cases, if you're Jalen Milrow, and again, just to kind of start off, like it seems like Jalen Milrow right now is still in the lead. He's the more experienced guy. By all accounts, he's getting, you know, more of the first team reps. We'll have to kind of see how that manifests itself in the spring game. Um, but, you know, for right now, it, it seems like if you're kind of odds on it, that Jalen Milrow probably has the better odds. But if you are Jalen Milrow, and for some reason Ty Simpson has this great, you know, push and, and becomes the number one guy. You've been at Alabama for two years. You're by all accounts and in, in that particular hypothetical, not going to start. It, it would make sense in his case to transfer. Just like I think if you're Ty Simpson, you've been here since December of 2021. Uh, you went through all of spring practice last year. You had last year to develop. You had this spring to develop. If it's not going to come together here at Alabama right now, 
I think there's less reason for him to transfer, but I do think there is still reason on the board. So would I be entirely shocked if we're talking, I mean, the transfer portal window opens Saturday, but you know, effectively for Alabama, it's probably after the spring game and then runs through April 30th. Um, would I be totally shocked if we're sitting here on May 1st and one of those two guys is not on Alabama? I want to be totally shocked. I think there'd be some surprise. Um, you know, I think part of it too is they bring in two freshman quarterbacks that does kind of signal that, you know, they're hedging their bets a little bit to make sure that they have three on the roster by September if they do or, you know, happen to lose one. So, again, I think there is some credence to that thought. Um, I don't think it's a guarantee by any means that one transfers, but it, it is something I think should be on people's radar. Mike, are there any uh, any names that you're hearing that are kind of uh, uh, popping up in spring ball as uh, as guys who are really emerging? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, in terms of the freshmen, I think we kind of know, like, Caleb Downs was going to be on the field right away. I think James Smith is one that, that intrigues me along the defensive line. Um, you know, the, the five-star out of uh, Montgomery that seems to get in some first-team reps. Now, with the defensive line, it's tricky because you have a Boygby who's out or not completely practicing again yet. Um, and at the end of the day, you're you're still only going to have two of those on the field for most plays out of the game, like 85 90% of the game. So how much James Smith can actually see the field in September and October, we'll have to see. But right now, it seems like there's there's positive progress there. Um, you know, offensively, I don't know if there's a ton of surprise. I think we kind of knew going in, like, we all kind of, we've seen Roydo Williams, we've seen McClellan, we've seen Brooks, we've seen Burton. Like, those are all known quantities. Um, I, I would still love to see Malik Benson kind of with my own eyes. I know there's a lot of hype about him, and I'm sure some of it's warranted, but still hasn't played a, a down of SEC football. And I think sometimes people have to be careful about going a little bit too far on guys sometimes, but um, you know, justice Haynes, I think is probably in the same category where it seemed like he did a lot of good things in that scrimmage, but can he keep that up? Can he get on the field as potentially the third running back in that rotation? These are all things I think we'll have to see over time, but um, you know, those are some of the, the younger names or some, some of the less prominent names. I think that have certainly popped up. Uh, quick note on defense. I think I got this out of your article earlier in the week that uh, Alabama's replacing eight guys on defense. I know they replace every year, every year, and they just reload. But that's eight, including Will Anderson. Um, yet uh, Arnold said that there's a chance to be a really, really great defense. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, I, I think fans to some extent have started to kind of roll their eyes when, when guys say that, because it, it's not the first time someone said that in the off season, you go back the last two years that they want to get back to the standard. You know, they think this can be a great defense and it's certainly, you know, in terms of like where they rank in college football, it has been a great defense. They were top 10 last year, but it's still not great in terms of what fans are used to seeing. It's not great relative to Georgia. And that's, those are still two important pieces of the puzzle. You can be top 10, but if you're not, what Georgia is, then you're potentially not ahead of Georgia. And that's what matters at the end of the day. So um, yeah, it's, it, I think there would be some areas on defense that, that would concern people um, and they're going to get tested right away against Texas, you know, second week of the season, that secondary same way it did last year against Quinn Ewers and Xavier worthy. I mean, 
Taryn Arnold out there and, um, you know, some young guys playing at safety with, you know, Caleb Downs and, uh, they might have Earl Little in there at Star who hasn't played much. So, um, we're just going to have to see. I mean, right down the line, linebacker, you know, there's, you're talking about Deontay Lawson being a full time starter for the first time, a, a new starter next to him. Um, you know, that's, it's a young, younger group than it certainly was last year. And, um, it, it's going to take some, adjusting i think to kind of get back to you know what even what even what they were last year never mind what they were 10 years ago mike uh, i i think a fascinating storyline coming up here is uh is how the specter of georgia is hanging over this program would you agree i mean is alabama now really focused on it's almost like you know they are becoming the hunter rather than to use a horrible cliche rather than the hunted. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that's, that's where it is. And I think uh, to deny that I think is, is denying reality a little bit. And I think even Nick Saban mentioned that I think to Heather Dinich when, when she made her trip from ESPN about a month ago and kind of said like, Hey, I mean, Georgia is the best team. It happened the best team the last couple of years. It's not a fluke. Um, and Alabama is in a position now where they haven't made the playoff two out of the last four years that everything's going to change next year in terms of what the playoff means when it's 12 teams. But just, I mean, hypothetically, let's say Alabama loses two games this year. They missed the playoff again this year. Georgia makes it. I mean, where does that leave Alabama? You can kind of say like, I know fans like to say Georgia needs to prove it over a long period of time, but there does come a point where it's kind of right out in front of you. And I think we're, we're starting to get there. So again, it, it can change. It can go backwards. Alabama can go undefeated this year and they can find out what they needed to a quarterback and everything could be fine, but it, it, it might not. It might be a different team. It might be Ohio state that steps in this year as a dominant team or somebody else. So it just, it does feel like, you know, the kind of the, the grip that Alabama had is not quite there anymore. Um, and, you know, whether that's because of NIL or the transfer portal, I think it's a combination of everything. It's just not quite there anymore. It's still, it's, there's a grip, but it's not quite as strong as it used to. And I, I do think that's a real thing. Mike, how do people catch up with you uh, online and social media? Yeah, you can find me on AL.com, the uh, Alabama football page, and on Twitter at Mike Rodak. Look forward to it. We'll visit yeah, again next so week. Mike. You got it. Thank you. All right. You bet. Uh, when we get back, some um, NIL news, which I, you know, I was going to say they may surprise you. I don't know if anything surprises us anymore. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Have you ever been home base in Birmingham, Alabama? We are here treating patients from every generation across the United States and from around the world. We're here for the rookies and the dreamers trying to make a name for themselves. We are here for the achievers who are resilient and won't take no for an answer. We're here for the coaches, athletic trainers and mentors who are shaping the next generation of legends. We are here for you aggressively pursuing victory over injury. Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com. Nature 
The story of the nurse and the foot pain that nearly brought him down. I feel like I'm giving people their lives back. Robert lived to take care of his patients, but he couldn't do it unless he took care of his foot pain. I have plantar fasciitis. It'll almost put you on your knees. That's how much it hurts. His own recovery started when he got fitted for arch supports at the Good Feet store. Now that I'm pain-free, I can make these people feel better. Can't beat that. Stop by or schedule your free fitting at goodfeet.com. Championship team covering a national championship team. The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Back on Big Ten Sports. Welcome back into the program. Lars, you got some news on Alabama quarterback Bryce Young? Yeah, Mike Rodak just mentioned this, but uh, I want to amplify it a little bit. That in Vegas, um, the, uh, the, the situation as to, or the, the odds on favorite to be the first overall pick in the draft has now flipped. Um, last month, it was Bryce Young. But now the betting markets have done a 360 or a, a 180. Uh, and um, or I'm sorry, <laughs> they've actually done a 360. It was Bryce Young. Then they did a 180 to uh, CJ Stroud. Uh, Stroud was the, the heavy betting favorite uh, throughout the, uh, 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 the most of the month of March. And now um, it has gone the other way that, uh, according to BetMGM, um, Bryce Young is the overwhelming favorite to be the number one overall pick by the Panthers. And so let's like just look into this for a second. What, what does this mean that Vegas is now saying that Bryce Young is going to be the top pick? I believe that the Panthers are purposefully leaking this information out to uh, to different sources in order to prepare their fan base for what's coming. It's not I wouldn't say, you know, in politics, they would call it like a trial balloon. Right. You float a little information on an issue of, of where a, a politician is going to stand and you see what the public reaction is. Well, it, it's, it's kind of similar to that in, in the NFL. Like they're they're putting it out there that that Bryce Young's going to be our guy. And I think they, uh, you know, fans obviously don't dictate who the choice is going to be. But I do think that the Panthers want to prepare their fan base for the fact that they're going to pick Bryce Young. And uh, and again, there's a reason why Vegas now has Young as the favorite. Do you agree? Yes. Yeah, I think I'm starting to lean that way kind of go back and forth on it, mainly based on stature. But um, I, I think when it's all said and done, go to the tape. And uh, also you know, go, to, Matt, go to the tape on, on some of Stroud's stuff too. He does Matt, not bear out the consistency that Bryce Young does. Matt, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Go to the tape. 
Stroud had one amazing game, uh, and they ended up losing, right, in the national semifinal Georgia. Uh, uh, against Georgia. Uh, but he played great. And it was the one game where he made throws outside of the pocket consistently with great accuracy. But you go back and you look at the body of work, and he just he he didn't make those throws consistently. Whereas Bryce Young, I mean, Matt, to me, the most incredible game he played was the loss at Tennessee. He just made throw after throw after throw where you're just like, this guy is off the charts good. I mean, he he's a franchise quarterback. I don't care if he's 5'9", 5'8", 5'7". I mean, he is making throws that you just you don't see at the college level. And not only that, he, he's just he's a winner. Uh, you go back to the Iron Bowl, right, of uh, two years ago when uh, Alabama needed it most, that, that long drive. Was, 99 yards. Yeah, 99 yards, and he just he makes play after play after play. And, and there are just some times where just, just believe your eyes. Don't believe your ears. Don't believe what people tell you he can do, right? Just see for yourself. And that's where I think scouts too often overthink things right and and just because doesn't have prototypical uh size and in in weight that doesn't mean he is not an absolute elite player and look you even go back to high school how great he was out in california and uh and when he came to alabama i know there were people skeptical of how he could uh, play in the SEC because of his stature. Well, he shut those people up pretty quick. And so I I just, uh, I, I'm with you, Matt. You gotta go with your eyes. You gotta go with the tape. You gotta go with the body of work. Bryce Young is the obvious pick to me. We'll see. Uh, and you're gonna have a big draft party or something? I know how much you get into this. <laughs> I, I know. I do. I do. It's really ridiculous. You have dips and chips and pizza and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't think yeah, uh, I, I can I, think I, other I, than. Sorry, the past few years I've gone to a, a neighbor's house and a you know, former Alabama player, and and we uh, we have. Talk about Georgie. Yep, Georgie. <laughs> uh, I got some stories on him that we'll hold for uh, 205. Hey, we'll, we'll have to get Georgie on here, George Sale. <laughs> yeah, he's a very colorful, really great guy, very successful man too. Um, hey, I want to get to this NIL stuff when we come back on the other side of the break. And also, you reminded me in talking about the Ohio State-Georgia semifinal game. You reminded me of a question that fans often ask about what if, what if, what if. But I haven't asked you about it. And we'll do that on the other side of this break as you listen to the last 15 minutes of Big Noon Sports. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. 
This is Big Noon Sports. From our home base right here in Birmingham, Alabama. We are here treating patients from every generation. Across the United States. And from around the world. As respected industry leaders. We are here. Working hard for you. In an effort to provide you with. Excellence in sports medicine. Excellence in research and education. And excellence in sports injury prevention. We are here for you. Aggressively pursuing. Victory over injury. Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com. You've probably seen their clothing around town on game days, but check out Christopher Mobley on the Strip. It's luxury game day apparel redefined. It's the only place in town where you can find Todd Hoops apparel. Clothing designed for the modern-day entrepreneur, golf enthusiast, and athleisure fanatic. They've got Peter Millar, Viore, Grayson, and Mizzenamain. And if you haven't tried the Mizzenamain dress shirts, you've got to. You can find them at 1410 University Boulevard on the Strip. Also, they've got a great e-commerce site at christophermobley.shop. So check out Chris. Christopher Mobley, Luxury Game Day Apparel, redefined. The story of the nurse and the foot pain that nearly brought him down. I feel like I'm giving people their lives back. Robert lived to take care of his patients, but he couldn't do it unless he took care of his foot pain. I have plantar fasciitis. It'll almost put you on your knees. That's how much it hurts. His own recovery started when he got fitted for arch supports at the Good Feet store. Now that I'm pain-free, I can make these people feel better. Can't beat that. Stop by or schedule your free fitting at goodfeet.com. is a part of all of us. We know that the world around us has changed, and that's why the Alabama Department of Labor is here to get you back to working hard. Work is a part of all of us. Let us help you get back to it by visiting your local career center or alabamaworks.alabama.gov. Funding provided by the USDOL, ETA, and Federal WIOA, an equal opportunity employer program. Auxiliary aids and services available upon request. Brought to you by this station and the Alabama Broadcasters Association. This is Reagan, owner of RR Cigars, the Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa. Located at 2703 6th Street across from the Home Two Suites. Come down to RR and see why we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around, and our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world class. Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world-renowned cigar and spirits destination. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A mild afternoon with a sunny sky, the high today 77. Tonight, increasingly cloudy with a low at 57. Tomorrow and Friday, mostly cloudy both days with a few passing rain showers. Highs between 72 and 75. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 76 degrees in Tuscaloosa. A national championship team covering a national championship team. The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Tide 100.9 Tuscaloosa weather. A mild afternoon with a sunny sky. The high today 77. Tonight increasingly cloudy with a low at 57. Tomorrow and Friday mostly cloudy both days with a few passing rain showers. Highs between 72 and 75. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 76 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Back 
on Big Noon Sports. Matt Coulter, Lars Anderson wrapping up the show. And uh, I don't know. I can recall a sport or a tandem. A lot of people are saying Magic and Bird. But uh, what Angel Reese and I think led by Caitlin Clark have done for women's basketball is just absolutely phenomenal. And the WNBA and eight and under girls playing down here at the local gym all need to thank these two women for what they've done in um, just really exposing the sport for what beauty it truly is. But I did see this earlier today, and, and here's a perfect example, okay, if you want to do it on the financial side, Lars. Angel Reese uh, going into the season, NIL value, this is uh, that neat little chart and um, equation uh, that uh, on three has $371,000. That is not chump change, people. After the final four and LSU's victory, 1.3. She's gone up a million dollars. Yeah, it's phenomenal. And uh, since the beginning of March Madness, she has gained over 2 million followers across her uh, social media platforms. And she is now the uh, highest projected earner in all of women's college basketball. And, uh, you know, Matt, I think we're going to be talking about the final four that just took place years from now as a transformative moment in women's college basketball. You know, it's almost like, uh, you know, the, 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 the night that it went big time uh, because uh, it was absolutely riveting to watch and, um, and just a, a, a great battle uh, between these two uh, young women uh, and just uh, so talented and and uh, it's cool that they're both going to be going at each other again next year and uh, you know I think that the, the the trash talk is good you know it took me a while to come around to that issue but uh, I, I think it actually you know when it's done good naturedly right uh, when it's not malicious it, it's it, it's good it, it provides uh, like it provides viewers with, um, you know, uh, just just like just more context of 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 who they should root for, or who they want to root for, and who they want to root against, and and you know, it's just it, it just creates a good rivalry and, and and fuels the intensity of the rivalry. So um, yeah, I I think it, it's wonderful, wonderful to see. Hey, I want to end the show the way we began, and that's talking about golf and holes in one. Um, there's, a, there's a story online today about a guy that uh, hit uh, a shot on a par three and thought it had gone OB or thought it had gone into a hazard. So he had a provisional. Well, you can fill in the blanks here, Lars. Guess what happens? <laughs> it's in his, the bottom of the cup. His provisional goes to the bottom of the cup, and then he goes and he finds his golf ball. So either either way, uh, what is the old joke about the guy that hit a hole in one, but he he couldn't register it? Boy.
boy. That, that would be my luck. That hurts. And that is that's sort of like every golfer's worst nightmare is that you you hit a hole in one after you hit one OB, and so you're you're playing a a provisional. So really, instead of getting a one, you're getting a par um, on a par three. <laughs> and so, oh um, yeah, and, and I'm sure that's happened very frequently. They were talking about this on the Masters uh, about, I think, uh, maybe they were playing 16. So I, th- I think 16 has uh, made itself. Uh, are there more holes in one on that par three? I don't know. I would but, think so. But anyway, it was many years ago that, uh, and it might have been a practice round. I don't know. I digress. But both golfers hit a hole in one. and wow. uh, <laughs> So they go to the 17th tee, and I forgot who made, who made the comment? So it's pretty bad when you go to the next tee and you don't get honors with an hole in one. <laughs> you know, I uh, one time I was playing out at Old Overton, and you you and I have actually played out at Old Overton in Birmingham, and um, I just got paired with a, a, a few guys. And this, you may have even been there for this, and uh, these guys were telling me or us that um they had just uh they played around with sergio garcia because at the, at the time sergio apparently was uh, dating a a young woman in birmingham and you know all these golfers have their own private jets and and sergio just zoomed in and and he's playing uh just playing like a quick quick few holes out of the old overton and just kind of for the fun of it very first hole he played, guess what? Hole in one. <laughs> hole in one, and he walks off, you know, with his beautiful girlfriend, you know, and then, you know, flies off into the sunset on his private jet. <laughs> that's 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 uh, that's the story of a of a golfer's life. Of a, it, it, and and again, I, I've talked about, and we've talked about what a grind it is on the PGA Tour. But, man, these guys live very, very well. They really do, and it's not like it used to be where some of them were literally on the tour or qualifying to get that week and make that week's tournament. They're living out of the back of their car. Um, I don't think anybody in the top 150 is living out of the back of their car anymore, do you? No. All right, fantastic show, Lars. Want to give a shout out and best wishes to Kale Yarborough. He is in poor health. Um, three-time NASCAR champ, four-time Daytona 500 winner. I may have that reverse, but anyway, he's a Hall of Famer. Uh, get well soon, and we'll do this tomorrow on Big Noon, Big Noon Sports. It blew the name. See you, Lars.